Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. All right, joining us now, Global News reporter Clay Young. Clay, hello, good afternoon. Hello to you, Hal. How are you? I'm excellent. Um, we'll get to some fun stuff with you in a bit here. Uh, the story that you are covering today is a developing one. We found out this morning uh, that Peter Nygaard had been arrested here in Winnipeg. We now know that he has been indicted on racketeering and sex trafficking charges in New York. Tell us what you know. Well, Nygaard was taken into custody in Winnipeg yesterday uh, by Canadian authorities, uh, and that included the RCMP. I just uh, received an email from Manitoba RCMP. They were involved in this arrest, uh, as you mentioned, after the U.S. requested Canada issue a provisional arrest warrant, which is pursuant to the extradition treaty that uh, the two countries have. Now, authorities say the 79-year-old Nygaard has been indicted on nine charges, including sex trafficking and racketeering. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York says the charges involve at least dozens of victims in the U.S., the Bahamas, Canada, and other locations. And it is alleged that uh, over a 25-year period, Nygaard... This is alleged, used his fashion company's influence as well as its employees and funds to recruit and use women and girls for his sexual gratification and the gratification of his friends and his business associates. The U.S. attorney notes that none of these allegations against Nygaard have been proven in court, and Nygaard uh, has denied these allegations. He has repeatedly denied all of this, uh, including a class action lawsuit that is currently on hold in the U.S. He blames this on a conspiracy uh, that has been caused by a feud that he's had been uh, has had going on for years now with a neighbor of his in the Bahamas. So that court case uh, was scheduled, and it's underway right now at in a Winnipeg courtroom. It started at 1, and uh, we'll keep you posted and give you the latest developments as the afternoon wears on, Hal. Yeah, so we'll see what happens, what comes of the uh, court appearance today. Uh, and up until now, uh, Nygaard has been, of course, facing a class action lawsuit in the U.S., dozens of women accusing him of sexual assault uh, but this certainly for Nygaard has been escalated now because he's been indicted on charges in New York City so now police think there's enough smoke there uh, to go after Nygaard and, and as you said nothing's been proven in court but obviously uh, we'll see what comes of this court case here in Winnipeg today and then um, uh, obviously uh, Nygaard will have to face those racketeering and, and sex trafficking charges uh, in New York. Okay, uh, Clay, thank you for the latest on the story. I appreciate that. Now, I want to have a little fun with you because I don't know why I'm excited about this, and I've talked to people who are super excited about this. I think nothing against you, man. I love you. But I think if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, I don't think it would be as big a deal, but you are going to be live Christmas morning on CJOB, and people are wound up about this. So am I. 
<laughs> yeah, so I know. Why? Uh, it's just something I was thinking about, Hal, and I I just thought, you know, it's going to be a Christmas like no other Christmas mm-hmm. uh, before us, at least in our lifetimes. And hopefully things will have a sense of normalcy next Christmas. But right now, uh, families will not be getting together. A lot of people are going to be staying at home alone. And we just uh, threw the idea out. Why don't we have a live Christmas show? And people can call in and wish uh, Annie Toots. I keep bringing up my Annie Toots. (laughs) They can wish Annie Toots. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, live on the air. I'll take texts. I got special guests lined up. I think you're going to pop on, Hal. Only if you want me. Only if you need me. We got uh, so many guests, I'm starting to have to turn people (laughs) down. What time Uh, is it on on Christmas morning? Well, usually the the morning show runs from 6 to 9. This time it's going to run 7 to 10. And there's people that are saying, will it go uh, beyond that if there's an overwhelming response? And I say, well, hey, you know, I wouldn't mind leaving and going home to Christmas in my own house. But, you know, I break format all the time. Yes. Instead of a a Christmas miracle, maybe it should be a Christmas marathon. (laughs) You never know. I may may text the boss at, you know, uh, two minutes to ten and say, you yeah. don't seem to understand. <laughs> <laughs> this is Christmas. The, the, the phone lines have gone nuts. No one can get through. Pallister's trying to call in. He can't get through. It's gone berserk. <laughs> can I tell you one of the reasons I like this? I, what are they calling it? I suggested they call it Christmas with Clay, but what are they calling it? I, I think it's being called Spend Christmas Day with, with clay. clay oh brother i've even been told uh, i've got a request <laughs> into the north pole can santa call in oh I, my I, goodness i heard well you know he'll be busy though won't he or maybe well, at that I point th- he'll be tired i don't I think, know i think he'll be winding down his adventure <laughs> <laughs> can i tell you why i love this i as you know clay and you're an old dog in the radio biz too i love old school radio and this takes me back to when i first came to winnipeg my dear friend and mentor, who's no longer with us, Ron Abel. I learned so much from Ron uh, when it comes to radio. And when I came to town back then, it cost money to make a long-distance call, right? Yeah. And every every Christmas, Ron had a morning where he would just take people's calls. He'd get them on the line, and he'd conference call in somebody else, a family member, a friend, wherever in the world, somewhere around the world, and he would let them just visit, right? And and it was almost like nobody was listening. And it was so emotional. It tugged at the heartstrings. It was great radio. But then, you know, it was expensive to phone, you know, wherever, London, England, to, you know, talk to my sister or whatever. And the station picked up the tab, and it was some of the best radio ever. And at Christmas, it's just, there's just something special about it. So I love this idea. I will market and promote the heck out of this we've got 10 days to make sure people know about it and and many people already do in fact they had a text message from a gentleman yesterday who said how i'm all alone i'm an older guy and i can't wait for christmas with clay that touches me you know yeah you know i got a text last week on the show i'm not sure if it was saturday or sunday 
and they, the, the text didn't identify, but I could see the area code was different. And it said, we're listening here in Kenora, and we just f- found out you're going to have a live show. We're going to get the entire city of Kenora to listen in. That's Kenora. Cool. Yeah. Good. Well, I love it. So I can't wait for it. So that's good. I get an extra hour of sleep. So 7 to 10 instead of the normal <laughs> 6 to 9. Um, and by the way, this yeah. year, yeah. I'm not leaving milk and cookies for Santa. I'm leaving him a face mask and hand sanitizer. Good. Yes, you know, because that's what he, I'm leaving he's for gonna Santa. Have to, he's going all night. He may have well, to change masks frequently. You know, Dr. Rusin says no going from house to house. And here's Santa. What's he got to do? He's got to go house to house. He's going to need a lot of masks. Yes, and hand sanitizer. Clay Young, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. Yep, talk later. All right, so Clay does weekend mornings here on CGOB, 6 to 9. And when I first came back to CGOB, I did Saturday and Sunday mornings. And I'm telling you, man, that's some of the best, the funnest radio I've ever done. Uh, was working with Austin, Lynette Saragusa's son, Austin Saragusa, and Savannah. And those were fun times. And uh, Clay is doing a great job with it on the weekends now. He's a lot of fun, uh, borderline silly. And uh, he's got his own cast of characters. And I cannot wait for Christmas Day with Clay. Or as I call it, uh, Christmas with Clay. 7 to 10 Christmas morning right here on CJOB. Joining us now, Rick Lauber, author of a couple of books, Caregiver's Guide for Canadians and The Successful Caregiver's Guide. He's also uh, been a contributor a couple times to Chicken Soup for the Soul. Rick, nice to chat with you again. It's a pleasure to be back and happy holidays, Hal. Yes, thank you very much. Um, by the way, uh, Rick, you, somewhere in, in the mail are uh, some books of Rick's, and, and you can um, win those books. Just watch for the chance to win the books on social media, on my social media accounts, but we can talk more about that uh, later on, Rick, when the when the books get here. But listen, it's Christmas, and so uh, packages are, are delayed a bit, but I appreciate you sharing some books, and I'll make sure those get to people out there that can use them. You've got some uh, Christmas that. tips. Yeah, you've got some Christmas tips for us for family caregivers and you know we talk a lot about seniors that are in personal care homes or long-term care homes but so many are being cared for by family members out there through all of this this is normally a stressful time but this year it's even more so absolutely Hal. um you know when you think about it uh you know christmas comes with uh, a number of increased seasonal demands uh, you know, I think of gift shopping, I think of gift wrapping, I think of uh, uh, sending sending Christmas cards, I think of baking, I think of social uh, engagements. Uh, all of this takes time and effort, and that's time and effort that a caregiver, a family caregiver, may not have. Um, you know, the, the holidays may also, uh, you know, be a reminder that uh, mom or dad's in long-term care, Things will not be the same uh, ever again. And as you alluded to, I mean, we're we're still in the midst of uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, you know that has uh, hit a lot of uh, individuals hard with uh, job loss, and uh, you know these these people may be financially strapped, and you know they may not be able to buy as many gifts as uh, they once used to. So it, it can be a hard time. 
Sure. So give us some tips then. Give us some news that people can use when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, caring for a loved one uh, at a very stressful time of the year. Uh, sure. Um, you know, something that, that I uh, began uh, actually early, and I'm glad I did, was, was shopping online. Um, you know, we're, we're getting close to Christmas now, but uh, there might be some time to shop online. Uh, you know, it doesn't beat the customer service in a brick-and-mortar store. Uh, you know, but there is a lot to be said for delivery right to your door. Um, establish a budget, uh, you know, know how much you're going to spend. Don't get caught up in the, the flurry of, of the, uh, the season. Uh, that can, that can lead to overspending in a big hurry. Uh, you know, use a debit card rather than a credit card. Uh, you know, debit cards are fixed, uh, fixed amounts. Credit cards, uh, you know, can re- result in nasty, uh, nasty ba- bills to pay in January. Um, you know, give back. I know that's uh, kind of a hard thing to say with caregivers giving so much of themselves already. But, you know, if you try to find, uh, you know, uh, an avenue to give back of your, you know, your time, expertise or financial resources, uh, you know, all of that can be immensely rewarding to, to not only others, but to yourself as well. Um, Consider drawing names. Uh, you know, my family's doing this for the, the first time this year. Uh, you know, we draw names from the hat, and, uh, you know, each one of us is responsible for, uh, you know, buying a gift for only one person rather than many. Uh, you know, cuts the cost and makes things easier. Uh, you know, and, and finally, uh, you know, a scheduled me time. Uh, you know, that's, that's important for caregivers all the time is to, to have that time to, to rest, relax, uh, you know, do something for yourself, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's just curling up under a warm blanket watching a Christmas movie, uh, uh, you know, going out for a walk uh, outside, um, you know, or, or reading a good book. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy. You know, it's just something for yourself. And, and you know, that respite, that caregiving respite is something you can do after after the holidays as well. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, before I let you go here, speak to, uh, you'd mentioned me time, you know, speak to, to the stress around the holidays, the stress of the pandemic. You mentioned me time. Yes, that's important. But, you know, the the uh, older person, whether it's a family member or, or a friend that's being cared for, we need to work harder, I think, at this time of the year to uh, try and ease their stress, right? That's important, too. Exactly. Um, you know, when I think of seniors in long-term care, you know, I like uh, my heart goes out to them because they are in a difficult situation. Uh, you know, they're they're isolated. Uh, you know, they're you know they have very little to do and, and very little activity. Uh, you know, so they are they're isolated in their own rooms, and and you know, family is not uh, family is being restricted from seeing them, and that that's hard. I mean, family plays a crucial part in in the care the mental and physical care of, of a loved one. So, so yeah, it's, it's absolutely important that, you know, we, we still try to find ways to, you know, engage a senior and, and connect with those seniors, uh, you know, at this time of year and, and uh, you know, have them, have them involved. Rick, thanks for your time. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, and thank you very much. Joining us now a bioethicist and assistant professor at the Faculty of Medicine at the University of Toronto, uh, Carrie Bowman. Carrie, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. 
Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. Immunity Passport. I think it was just last week. We just had a live news conference of our premier here, Brian Pallister, uh, with a vaccine update. We start getting, Manitobans start getting shots tomorrow morning, and so there's some excitement around that. When a reporter brought up the idea of an immunity passport, I think just last week to the premier at one of his news conferences, he seemed surprised, almost like he hadn't heard of the idea before. Has this idea been tried elsewhere? Is it an idea that he should have been aware of? Well, you know, different provinces and territories are beginning to talk about it. And, you know, it's not as if our leaders provincially, territorially, or even federally are pushing this. Um, likely what will happen is the private sector will. So, you know, let, let's just look at sort of immunity passports to begin with. I, I work overseas a lot, so there's plenty of countries in the world. You're not setting foot unless you can show that you've had a yellow fever vaccine. It's not going to happen. So there is precedent for that. The airlines are starting to say, once things start to move, we're going to need proof of vaccination. But let's look at our own country. Uh, it's not our government, but here's what could happen. Uh, sports venues, um, restaurants, bars, a lot of social gathering interactions, you know, banquet halls could easily start to say, and I'm talking somewhere in 21, probably late spring, summer, could start to say, uh, you're not getting in here without proof that you have been vaccinated. So, the, and, you know, what would it look like? It probably looks something like, you know, if you use electronic boarding passes that you've got on your phone, something like that, right? So mm -hmm. our government's not going there, but private forces are going to push us there. So it's coming. I, I think it's coming. It may not, but I'm pretty sure it's, it, it'll be here soon. Yeah, and I think I first heard about it probably three or four weeks ago from either Ticketmaster or Live Nation, one yes. of the concert people, because that would be another spot where they might say, let me see your immunity passport, right? Yeah, yeah. And look, if you were, you know, if you were, had been vaccinated and you were going to a large social, ga social gathering or out for dinner and they advertise that only people with proven immunity can come, it's going to be probably a draw. But, you know, I'm not saying it's unethical, but there's profound ethical challenges with it. Not everyone can be vaccinated. People that are immunocompromised, and, you know, that includes a lot of people struggling with various cancers. Um, people with allergies, the Pfizer vaccine now we're hearing comes with allergies. Um, so there could be groups of people that just can't. And then, you know, any Canadian, whether we agree or not, they have a fundamental right to say, I actually don't want a vaccine. It's their body. Um, so what could happen is in those months ahead, uh, those people may really, you know, when they go out for an evening or something, um, they may really have some major limitations on what they can do. Um, the other thing is we've already lost so much of our rights in this pandemic. So let's imagine, you know, a summer night, summer 2021, um, you know, as you move from one place to another, you could have your, your you know, your location, your identity scanned I don't know what, three, four times on a Friday night, something like that uh, mm -hmm. or more. And there will be an element of, you know, that's your name, probably your date of birth, maybe even a little bit of medical information. Uh, who's storing that? Who's keeping it? Is that safe? And, you know, we're already under enough surveillance as it is. So these, so there really is some major ethical questions that come along with this. But look, our, we want to get our economy moving, don't we? Like we want our lives back. So many people are thinking to get things moving fast, we're, we need these passports.
Well, and I wonder if that's maybe where we're not going to see it as well, right? Employers, just like an employer right now might say yeah. to somebody, hey, you drive our truck every day. We want you drug tested once a month or whatever it is. Same with, you know, you talk about going to events or restaurants. What about companies you work for? They, they I would imagine they would be able to say, listen, you're dealing with the public. You're out there. We want to make sure you're vaccinated. To some extent, now this is where law comes in, and I'm not a lawyer, so right. I, I, I say this with caution, but it, it's apparently legally much more complex. It looks unlikely that, like, if you work in an office, let's say, that um, they could say, you know what, nobody can come back to work until you, you've been vaccinated. It looks like they're not. But if you're, you know, what if you're a grocery store uh, worker, right, and you, you pack groceries, um, that type of thing, they could say, you know, you're dealing with the public. Um, and it could be marketing to the public that, you know, the day's coming, you know, summer of 21, all of our staff are vaccinated. And then, you sure. know, would they have to be vaccinated? So it would depend. And I, I don't know this provincial variation, but Ontario is very strict. That's the province I live in. Um, that people have a right to a safe workplace. So, you know, some people could say, well, I'm not willing to come back to work unless people are vaccinated. So these things might have to, you know, we're going to need a lot more legal clarity. But it looks like unless people are really performing an essential function, um, it looks unlikely that that employers could insist on this. But it does look like sports venues, you know, entertainment, restaurants, bars, travel, uh, the entire U.S. border may simply say, no one's crossing unless you're vaccinated. We don't know. Well, Carrie, you're not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer either, but I guarantee there will be lawyers on both sides of this, and they oh, will be yeah. happy to argue it in front of a judge. They, and we can look forward to that. But look, some form of this is coming, and it's important that we're having conversations now. Some people think it's a great idea. Some people think it's a horror but it's so important that the public starts talking about this now because this is, you know, this is our society. It's not just our government that should decide. We, you know, this is a democracy. It depends what the people want to do as well. Mm-hmm. Kerry Bowman, thanks for the conversation. You're very welcome. Take care. Kerry Bowman is a bioethicist and an assistant professor, faculty of medicine at the University of Toronto. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.